Welcome everybody. We've been going, for those that don't know, we're in the middle of a kind of series and even though it's the summer holidays and various people are away, we're going to continue. All the sermons are recorded and everything, so you can catch up on them online if you're not available. And uh, it's 20 questions, so we've been looking and trying to think of 20 questions that we think would be helpful for people in their Christian walk. And today's is how do I hear God's voice? It wasn't meant to be how do I hear God's voice, but just something stirred up within my soul whilst I was away at Soul Survivor. They said, this is actually something that our church needs to hear. This is something that you need to share. This is something that's probably impacted my life quite a lot, not just in the last few days, but in the past as well, on hearing the voice of God. So we should pray. Father, we pray you'd speak to us this morning. We know that you speak to us today. And so we invite you by your spirit to speak through your word. Um, but also, God, to just capture our hearts, that we'd hear something of what you're about and what heart you have that we get on board with that, that we love the things that you love, that we'd be involved in uh, blessing uh, this town um, and spreading your kingdom as we step out in faith. We pray this morning that this would build our faith, build our joy, build our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ and teach us and train us in how we can listen and hear your voice today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is going to seem like a really odd place to start. Uh, but about 10 years ago, give or take, me and two mates, I was, I, I was one of the lads really when I was at school. Um, I wasn't cool, but I thought I was. Um, and this was kind of post-school probably, but about 10 years ago, me and two mates were at a Christian conference. And we decided, I think as a joke, but I can't quite remember, to go speed dating. Which as you can imagine for me was really successful. Because uh, I didn't have my beard back then, so... I looked about 12. Uh, I think I was joking. I think one of my mates was serious. And he was the least successful, which was, which was funny. And you get put into this room, and all the guys are on one side, and all the girls are on the other. And it's a bit awkward, and you start, you start doing a bit of scouting. I don't know if anyone's ever done a bit of speed dating. You start having a look around, going, oh, I don't know, that might tickle my fancy, quite like that. I don't know. Just looking from a distance. And it's really quite awkward. And then they trot out this couple onto the stage. And... Um, they say, oh, this is Jeff and Mrs. Jeff. And they've been married now for 18 years. And guess where they met? Speed dating. And they met in this room. And you think, this is the only success story ever from this speed dating because it's just too awkward. And you look around and you think, there's no way I'm going to bump into the one in this room. You know, everyone has this, when am I going to meet the one? And you think, oh, I'll go speed dating and I might just meet her. And then... Um, what they do is they put all the girls on the tables and as blokes you have to do this like going around thing and you get two minutes and then someone hits a triangle or sounds a buzzer and you have to move to the next table. So I was doing this, I don't know how many people were there, this is a good ten years ago. And um, for the most part it's very uninspiring and quite difficult actually. And uh, you go from table to table. And uh, the idea is that if you like a person, if you would like more than two minutes with them, you take, because everyone's got like a number, you give in their number at the end, and if they have a number that corresponds with your number, then you get matched, and it's a match made in heaven, and you'll live happily ever after. That's what's supposed to happen. And so you go around, and some of them are really interested, some of them think, yeah, I'll have your number, so five or six. I think the more numbers that I give out, the more chance I've got of getting somewhere. That was my idea. Um, obviously it didn't work out so well. But there was this one girl, I can still remember, I can't remember the rest of them, but I can remember this one girl, and I got to the table and sat there, I said, hi, I'm Dan. Nothing. 
So it's already awkward speed dating in the first place, but you, you know, you say, hi, I'm Dan, you're expecting, hello, my name is nothing. So I have to say, and your name is, that's awkward, isn't it? I say, I'm from Lancashire. Where are you from? Nothing. This is a long two minutes, as you can imagine, as this girl is basically not communicating with me at all. So I decided to do what every bloke should do, and I just talked at her. Just gave her my life story. I'm down, this is where I'm from. Because she wasn't talking. Bit of a waste of time. Two minutes passed, and I went off. And you know what? I didn't put her number in for a second. Didn't put her number in for a second date. That shouldn't surprise you. Um, and amazingly, I got four requests. Why do we not look impressed? I think that's impressive. My other mate, one of my mates, he got eight requests. There must have only been ten women there. And then my other mate, the one that actually was there seriously, got one. So I was quite pleased there to fit in the middle. And uh, that's where I met Grace. And um, no, no, I didn't really. <laughs> I just wanted to see her face and see what people's faces go. Oh my goodness, this guy met speed dating. But you know if you're in a relationship, if you've got friendships with people, and only one person talks, and the other person doesn't take the time to listen, the other person doesn't take the time to engage, those relationships don't work, do they? Those friendships don't continue. If you're the one that is always investing and nobody ever talks back, or you, you know those people that just talk at you and talk at you and don't give you the opportunity to speak, those relationships will very rarely grow, they will very rarely bear any fruit. And maybe this woman was a bit shy, I don't know, and I just talked at her. But it made me think a little bit about our prayer life and this question, how do I hear God's voice? And I thought, actually, as Christians, rightly, we spend a lot of time praying, we spend a lot of time singing, we spend a lot of time worshipping. But wrongly, I think we spend very little time listening. Is your experience of God a little bit like my speed dating one? You spend a lot of time talking, but you don't listen to God. So it doesn't work out. You know, every conversation we have should work both ways. It's, it's communicating and being communicated back to. We need to listen to what God says and what his heartbeat is. And you might say, well, I do spend a lot of time listening. I have to enjoy yours and Carl's sermons for an hour every Sunday. But that's not quite what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this kind of in the context of a personal relationship where just you and God in those quiet times, do you listen? Or is it just, bah, 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 see you later? I reckon it's probably the latter for most of us. And I think one of the keys for us hearing God's voice that I'll talk about a little bit later is on that we have to learn to listen to God's voice. And the last two topics that I've covered personally have been about prayer and have been about fasting. And I think in both prayer and fasting, if we start fasting, if we start giving up stuff and pursuing God more, we'll start to hear his voice more. If we're more desperate for him, I think we'll start to hear him. But I just want to outline almost in this third way um, this morning about hearing and in faith following after the voice of God. So I just want to ask a couple of brief questions and then we'll get to some things that I think are kind of keys almost to unlocking how we hear God's voice. Like little things that we can put into practice that will just help us to hear his voice. But the first thing that I want to say is how does God speak to us today because he does but how and you read through the Bible maybe and you'd see 
tons of ways that God speaks to us today. And I'm not spending the next half an hour going through them all and listing what prophecy is and what tongues is and what interpretation of tongues is. But the primary means that God has given to you and I in speaking to us is this book. That's the primary means, except it's the kind of thing that we just leave lying around. It's the kind of thing that gathers dust on our shelf, perhaps. Now, within that book, he speaks in pictures, visions, impressions. We get words of encouragements today, there's prophecies today. God speaks in all manners of ways in this. He speaks through a burning bush, he speaks through fleeces. He even uses an ass. He does just read it in numbers, I'm not making it all. He speaks in loads of different ways. He uses murderers, he uses recluses, he uses runaways. He even uses what would be the equivalent of a modern day terrorist. It's Saul, who then he converts on the road to Damascus. I want you to picture, when you think of Saul, he's your modern day head of ISIS. That's who he is, he's a terrorist. And yet God captures him and uses him and speaks through him, no matter what his past is. That God can basically use anyone to speak his words. And the first thing that I've said there and need to recognise and realise is the primary way of you being able to hear God's voice The primary way of you being able to listen to what he says is through his word. It's not through the pursuit of the miraculous. Now, it's good that God works in a miraculous way, but that's not the primary way he's decided to reveal himself. And actually, when we do have prophecies, when we do have God speaking in time and space, it's got to be in accordance with this. This is the standard. This is the measure. Because this is 10,000 million percent God. Whereas anything outside of this goes through you, goes through me, goes through X or Y. And you know what? We make mistakes, don't we? We get things wrong, whereas God doesn't. And so this is not a dull book that just is to gather dust on our bookshelf, but it's alive, it's active, and it's able to speak to our hearts today. Paul says this to his younger child, Timothy, and he's just speaking of the Old Testament at the time, because the New Testament hasn't been formed yet, but he says all scripture is breathed out by God. So all of it is God's word and says it's profitable for us for teaching, training, correction and training in righteousness. This is what it says in 1 Samuel. These are amazing verses. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. That's how God chose to reveal himself, by the word of the Lord. And for us, you read even later on, you read this guy Josiah who rediscovers the scriptures after years and years and years of them being neglected and he finds them again and teaches and the people submit and the people are changed and the people know God again. Why? Because the word of God was proclaimed. I want you to understand as well that when we read in these words in the New Testament and the Old Testament, they're the words of Jesus. You know, red letter Bibles really wind me up. Do you know red letter Bibles? Well, you get it in the New Testament and every word of Jesus is written in red and the rest of it is, I'm just dancing over the mic, don't worry. The rest of it is black type. Have we seen those Bibles? The whole of the Bible should be red letters. Really? Now, I know the whole idea is this is what specifically Jesus said. But really, Jesus said it all. First Gospel of John He says, and the word became flesh and the word dwelt amongst us. The word of God is Jesus. So they are his words. So, I mean, maybe you could just go through with a red highlighter if you've got all of those and just do the whole book. I don't know. But all of the words are the words of Jesus. And so when we're listening to God, that's what we're listening for. 
what Jesus says, what is Jesus' heartbeat, what is Jesus like, and we compare what we hear to what we read in the scriptures, where Jesus says, be gracious, be kind, be compassionate. If we're hearing something else that says, go and beat people up, it's not going to be of God. It's, are you being gracious? Are you being merciful? Are you loving? Are you forgiving? Are we adhering to the words of what God says? You see, we can listen to what he says by spending time in his word. I think we have to let the word of God kind of soak our souls, really. It's a little bit like uh, God's language, in one sense, that when we spend time with God, we become accustomed to his voice. We recognise how he speaks, what he's like, how he communicates to us. You know what we, what we spend time doing? We become like that, don't we? If I go back to Lancashire, the homeland, yesterday was National Yorkshire Celebration Day. Did you know that? What a nonsense, rubbish day that is. Anyway, that's by the by. just wanted to offend anybody from Yorkshire. But if I go back to Lancashire for a day or a week, I come back sounding like Peter Kev. You know, garlic bread. and that, like, I'm not from Bolton, but my accent kind of comes on a little bit thicker because who we spend time with, we become like. You end up, I've said duck a few times now. I've started saying A up. It's just not right. But it's because I've been in Derbyshire for however many years four or five years now. And so I believe that if we start spending more time with God, if we're spending more time in his word, we start to pick up his language. We start to pick up what does God sound like? What does God say? What is God's heart? And you know, not, not only will we start to look like Christ, but I believe we can start to sound like him in the way we communicate things, in the way we share things. When we have the opportunity, we share grace because we're in the company of the one who is gracious to us. Does that make sense? When we spend more time with God and we're immersed in his language, we start to actually become more like him. This is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. So his delight is in the Torah. His delight is in what we would know as the first five books of the Bible at this time. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man who spends time in the scriptures. Blessed is the man, the woman, who starts to feel and know the heartbeat of God by spending time in his word. And you know what? This morning you might say, well, I can't do that. I'm not a very good reader. I struggle with it. We don't have to be Bible scholars to do this. That's why God used an ass. That's why God used recluses. That's why God used murderers. That's why God used runaways. That's why God uses me. God uses you. We don't have to be Bible scholars. We don't have to have a master's degree in theology to understand this book. We just have to spend time and ask God to speak to us through it. Because, you know, if you read through this book, this book is the story of God taking broken, messed up people and making them fit for purpose so that they can be used by him. So if you're broken this morning, if you feel, oh, I can't, that's the best place to be. Because you know what? That means God can rebuild you how he wants to. That God can make you the man, the woman, the boy, girl that he wants you to be. Because if we end up building our own lives or whatever it is we build it on, we end up making a right royal mess of it, don't we? Whereas if we can be shaped by what God says and the truth of who God is, it might make a change, not just for us, but for our families as well. But that's not the end of how God speaks to us today. I think it's only the beginning, really. 
It's our kind of go-to place for God speaking to us today. But I did mention the miraculous earlier. And it's important that I say this, that we worship a God who's without limitation. You know, so often the church and certain uh, strands within the church, we put limitations on God. We say, I'm okay, God, with you doing this, but I'm not okay with that. I'm okay, God, with you speaking through your word, but dreams and visions, no thanks. But who are we as the, the created being to question the creator? That's not our place. We've got to be actually realise that we're putting limits on God. Don't dictate to God what he can and cannot do. Or even how he chooses to communicate to his people today. He's limitless. He's more than able to speak to us right now if he wanted to. Thunder and lightning. Inside. It's possible. He's God. Ultimately. Sometimes our God is too small. And our churches have boxes on what God can be like and what he can't be like. We need to kind of throw the box away, actually, and not have limits on how God communicates to his people today. But what I want to say is often people that go down that route end up despising the scriptures, end up saying, well, I just want to hear from God, but I don't need this. No, fundamentally, you need this. And if you're pursuing the miraculous without this, you're doing what the Pharisees did. You know, Jesus does this amazing miracle and he feeds 5,000 people with bread, with some fish and some loaves, and they're all fed. And then he goes off to a quiet place, and the crowds come after him. And do you know why the crowds come after him? They don't come after him because they're hungry for more of God. They come after him because they say, Jesus, be our performing miracle. Jesus, be our performing monkey. We want more miracles. What we need to do is we need to pursue him. And in pursuing him, I believe that signs and wonders follow. You know, we don't go looking for signs and wonders. We go looking for him. And when we find him, the signs and the wonders follow. I think that's a biblical way of approaching this and the way that we should be doing it. The normative way God speaks to us is through this. But you know what? He's going to speak to us in different ways. And when he does, we've got to be ready to listen. We've got to be ready to hear his voice. Now, I know some of you, will that might scare you a little bit. That might worry you a little bit. But it's okay, because most of the ways God speaks to us are already outlined in here. Paul goes to the trouble to teach us about prophecy and tongues, because it's a little bit different, maybe, to our normative experience. So God knows, doesn't he? God knows we might be a little bit fearful of stepping out of the boat. That something like, oh, God speaking to me outside the scriptures might be something a little bit different. And that's okay, because we're broken people that need to learn to listen to his voice. With all that in mind, and we're to desire these gifts because I believe when we hear from God, it directly changes the atmosphere, and God directly intervenes in situations. You know, when we're at Soul Survivor and people are praying for things and God gives direct words, it changes things. It speaks life to people. It builds people up. And we want to be a church that builds people up, don't we? We don't want to be one of those churches that knock people down and tear people apart, but build people up, encourage people in their walk with Jesus. So with that in mind, I want to just look at three things that I think are kind of keys for us to unlocking hearing God's voice. Obviously, it goes without saying, and I've said it already, that we spend time in the scriptures. So don't think, because I've not got one of those as my three things, that it's not one. That's why I've kind of spent time at the start doing that. But the first thing that we need to do, and I think we neglect to do, is to wait upon God. 
And we're going to do this a little bit later, actually, which, again, might be a bit scary for some of you, but we're going to try it and we'll see what God does. But we're going to wait upon God. After David cries out to God for help, this is King David. He's in the midst of distress, fear for his life. People are trying to kill him. He says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In other places, he says, but for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer me. And another psalmist says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. This waiting on God isn't like waiting for a train and it's really boring, you know, because they've all been cancelled. It's in that place where we're pursuing him, in that place where we're calling upon him, we're waiting for him to speak. Just as if I was having a, I'd made a proposition to you and I'm eagerly waiting your response. That's what it's like. We're eagerly anticipating, eagerly waiting what God is going to say in response to us. And what I've found in my prayer life, and I think as you read through the scriptures and as I talk to other people, is we have to be intentional in our listening. We have to be intentional in our waiting upon God. We literally have to say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. God, have your way. Holy Spirit, I'd love for you to come and meet with me now. How often do we do that? How often do we just say, actually, God, I just want to wait for you. I just want to meet with you. Think about it like this. To talk and talk and talk, but not to listen between human beings is just rude, isn't it? But how much more so between us and God Almighty? To just talk and talk and talk, but to never listen. Just to go back to that terrible analogy from the start. If I was speed dating, which obviously I don't need to do anymore because I'm married and that's great. But rewind 10 years ago and I wanted to see one of these young ladies again. If I went up to one of them and said, we should hang out sometime. And then I just pack up my stuff and wander off without giving my details, without studying and waiting for a response, the chances are that that will never work out, will it? They say, oh yeah, well, it'd be great, it'd be fantastic, we should hang out sometime, see you later. There is about zero chance of me getting a second date because I've not waited. It's the kind of invite that actually doesn't want an answer. Maybe it's the equivalent of our prayer life. The way that we pray to God is a quick fire. God, I just pray for um, my kids. I pray for uh, my spouse and I pray for my church. Amen. And you just get on with life. It's not right, is it? Further to that, you could make a more hurried offer to this young lady in question. Hi, I'd really like to see you again. Friday, six o'clock, fantastic. See you later. Now, I've given a bit more detail. She knows where to meet me, possibly. But again, it's unlikely that that kind of invite is going to work because I've not given any attention to it at all. I've rushed off. I've left it all a bit confused. I've left no time for response. And maybe again, our prayer life's a little bit like that. We spend time in prayer, but almost it's a bit careless. Almost it lacks our heart. Almost we don't want to give the time to it. It's kind of a hurried rush thing. Now that's okay at times, Nehemiah fires off an arrow prayer when he's in trouble. And there are times and places for arrow prayers. But I think for the majority of our time, God wants our hearts. God wants our time. God wants us to wait upon him 
and hear his voice. If we're not intentional and give time, it's a little bit like us saying, God, I'd love for you to hear me, but I'm not interested in what you have to say. That's what it can work out as. The third way, if I was really serious, if I really wanted this second date, would be to say, get the full attention, get the eyes, get the smolder, get everything ready. And you say, it would be fantastic if we could go out for dinner Friday, 6pm, Burger King, it would be amazing. I'll even pay for it. And you give your details and then you wait. You look them in the eye. It might be a little bit awkward, but you wait because you want to know what they have to say. You want to hear their response. You genuinely care what they have to say. Your earnest shows your respect, shows your love, shows your character. In one sense, that's what it means to wait upon God. That we make our requests of him, we bless his name, we talk to him, and then we wait for him to respond. We wait to hear his voice. You know, if you're praying for a miracle, you're praying, God, I'd really like some new knees, please. Amen. See you later. What if God wanted to say something into that situation? What if God wanted to encourage me through his word? What if God wanted to just speak and say, don't worry, child. It's all in hand. I've not waited to hear his voice. Because I've not waited upon him. I've not given my time. I think we'd do well, wouldn't we, to just sometimes in our... Maybe you can do this in your own quiet time. If you have a quiet time, if you have a time before God where you read your Bible, where you pray, let's say you read your Bible for 10 minutes, let's say you pray for 10 minutes, why don't you wait upon God for 10 minutes? Try it. Start being intentional with waiting upon Him and waiting for Him to speak. It reminds me of that story in the Gospels. Mary and Martha. Do you know this one? And Jesus comes round for dinner and he brings his disciples. And Martha is doing the whole, I've got to make my house look tidy because we've got guests coming round. And everybody knows when you walk into a beautifully tidy house that 99% of the time it's not like that. Right? We're not under any illusions. We all live in kind of, you know, with we've not hoovered this week and all that most of the time. And then you go crazy, don't you? You start stressing. People are coming round. I've got to make sure that I've hoovered. I've got to make sure that there's no dust on this window shelf just in case anybody tries and does that. That's what Martha's doing. She's stressing. Jesus is coming. I've got to make sure my crockery's out. I've got to make sure my best is here. I've got to make sure he's catered for, that we've got a veggie option. We've got all this stuff sorted. And Mary's like, nah. The teacher's here. And Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. As Jesus speaks. And Jesus is teaching. Jesus is speaking. Martha's going crazy. She's not listening. She's doing the pots and pans. Who cares about the pots and pans? Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Mary's listening. And this is what Jesus says. Because it's interesting. Because in our culture, you think Jesus would be like, good on you, Martha. Good service. He doesn't say that at all. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the good portion. The one who chose to wait and sit at the feet of Jesus. Now I'm not saying be lazy and I'm not saying don't clean your houses. But what I am saying is it is better to sit at the feet of Jesus than have a clean house. 
It is better to sit at the feet of Jesus than to waste our lives on busy things that eternally have no significance. It is better to sit and listen. It is better to wait upon God and hear his voice. That was the good portion for Mary, to just sit and listen. So that's the first thing, to wait upon God, and it, it runs into this that we have to listen. You know, we have two ears and one nose, I say that all the time. No, we've got one nose, yeah, but one mouth. <laughs> Nobody talks with their nose, do they? That was stupid. We've got two, I, that's because I didn't write it down, I just wrote we've got two of these and one of these, and that's what happened. We've got two ears and one mouth, yet we probably spend more time talking than we do listening. I kind of think we've got two ears for a reason. I know it's a bit of a joke, but actually there's something in that, isn't there? That we have to learn to listen. To listen to God the Holy Spirit. I don't think God is in the business of shouting at us. Yeah, I've met lots of people that say, I'm just waiting for God for this divine moment where the heavens are going to open and I'm going to be struck by lightning. That's what I'm waiting for. By and large, that's not how God's going to speak to us today. He might do, because we can't limit how he's going to. But by and large, he's already kind of shouted in one sense. He's already shouted his message to us upon the cross, hasn't he? He's given the clearest indication and the clearest message that we'll ever have that God loves us by Jesus coming and dying for us and being raised to new life, that we can have new life as well. And his shout is that I love you. That's the one thing that God does shout and he shouts it from Calvary, where he purchases us forever. And you know, that moment in history still rocks the world today, some 2,000 years later. When those people were going forward this week, two, three, four, seven hundred, however many there was. It's because they were meeting the one who's died for them and raised to life. And he shouted for them as I love you. And it's seen visibly in his death and his resurrection. So that's what God shouts to us. But he speaks tenderly to his children, to those that are following after him. He speaks in the quiet. Take the story of Elijah, for example. This is the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. I want you to understand that. He's the greatest prophet. He's one of only two people in the Old Testament that don't die. He's taken to heaven on a chariot of fire. That's pretty cool, isn't it? He doesn't die like everybody else because people would have worshipped his body. greatest prophet, aside from Jesus Christ, obviously, but the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, Elijah. And this is what it says. He's just been on Mount Carmel. He's had his like showdown with the prophets of Baal and God's won out. And then Elijah is a wanted man. He's being pursued. And in 1 Kings 19, he's gone to hide in a cave. It's the greatest prophet. He's hiding in a cave. And it says, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard that, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. It wasn't the raging wind that was causing rocks to fall. It wasn't the earthquake. It wasn't the fire. What shook him was the whisper of God. It was that still small voice. The gentleness of his father. 
in the earthquake, in the fire, in the wind, Elijah could have missed it, couldn't he? He could have stayed in the cave. He could have missed what God was saying with the noise of this life, with all the distractions, with all the big things. He could have missed the biggest thing, the still small voice of God speaking to him. That's why we wait. That's why we still our hearts. That's why we don't need manipulative music in the background. That's why we don't need to do things to encourage an emotional response. What we need is the voice of God. What we need is an encounter with him. We don't need the other things. We don't need the earthquake, the wind, the fire. We need to hear from God. And we have to train ourselves, I believe, to stop and to listen. And that's the last thing that I want to touch on for us, is that we have to practice. And that might sound like a really odd thing to say, but we have to practice hearing the voice of God. Learning to decipher what God says in amongst the earthquake and the fire and the winds. That could look like different things for different people. It could be fasting. It could be spending more time in the scriptures. It could be asking God to speak life to you. That you'd get a sense of what God is saying to you today. You know, again, it's returning to this thing where if you know someone really well, their voice becomes familiar, doesn't it? They say that an unborn child in the womb can start to recognise the voice of their parents. So I did it with Evangeline, I didn't do it with Elijah, but I would sing badly, really badly, because if you heard me sing, but with the hope that when she came out, she'd go, Daddy! And that didn't quite happen. That's what she did. It was precise to what happened. I was on cue, mate. Brilliant. But there was that, there's almost that kind of yearning for, she'll recognise my voice. And that's what happens as they grow up. You say their name, they hear your voice, and they turn. Because they've learnt, they've listened, they've spent time. And that's what they say, you've got to be really careful when they start getting to that age that they can start talking. Because they start to pick up the things that you say. Now it's really encouraging when they start going, Hallelujah, hallelujah in Tesco. And bless the Lord, O oh my soul, oh my soul, in the aisles of Tesco. That's really encouraging. But it's also really discouraging when they say something like, where have they picked that up from? Oh yeah, that's me. You've got to check your heart because when you spend time with people, you start to listen, you start to hear what they say, you start to become like them, you start to recognise their voice. It's true, isn't it? The people you spend time with start to recognise what they say. You know, if you're in a crowd and you shouted someone's name and they recognised your voice, they would come to you. They would hear. And so we have to start recognising what God's voice is. How does God speak to me? And you know what? For an individual, it will be different for all of you. There's no hard and fast rule. You know, people say, oh, that person's experiencing something. I'm experiencing nothing. That's okay. It doesn't have to be a wuzzy feeling. God speaks to his people on an individual basis and he speaks to them in different ways and at different times. For me, there's been times where I've felt nothing or I've been overcome by peace. I remember a few months ago, for the first time in my life, as I'm praying, there was this almost tangible sense of gentleness. That has never happened to me before. 
Usually, my palms get a bit sweaty, my heart starts exploding in my ribcage, and there's this kind of unquenching sense in my soul that there's something that I just have to say. That's how I know God's speaking to me, I've not just made something up. There is this unquenching fire within me that's just going to burst out of me if I don't say it. Even at the cost of looking stupid. If it's something that sounds a bit off the wall, which with me is quite often. <laughs> you just got to go for it. What have you got to lose? What's the worst that can happen? A bit of Dr Pepper. What is the worst that can happen? We come back to this though. Always come back to this. That's in line with what God has revealed himself to. But we have to practice listening to his voice. John 10, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. Know what I'm like. Know what I say. Know how I sound. And they follow me. You know, God not only wants you to hear his voice today, but he wants you in faith to act upon it. He wants you in faith to follow after him, to put things into action. If God says, I want you to go to this place, you've got to do it. When God said to me and others, start a church, that's all well and good in practice, but to do it is something completely different. When God speaks, we do well to follow. And that's where we have faith, isn't it? To take a risk is a good thing. To be known for those that risk everything for the sake of the kingdom of God is a good place to be. And you know what? We will get it wrong. We will think that we hear God's voice and maybe we haven't. People will make it up. People will manufacture it. That happens. But should that stop us seeking the genuine? Should that prevent us from desperately wanting to hear God today? No. You know, in um, Corinthians, Paul talks about prophecy and he talks about God speaking today. And he says these things are always to build up, to encourage and to comfort. And that's when we hear from God, when we're hearing his voice, does it build us up? Does it encourage us? Does it comfort us? If we've got a word for someone else, does it build them up? Does it encourage them? Does it comfort them? If the answer is no, it's probably not a word from God. That's a really easy way of just discerning what we're hearing. Because you will question. You know, if, if we're waiting upon God in a few minutes and something pops into your head, you're going to go, I've just made that up. I've just made that up. That's how I feel when it's bursting in my chest. It's like, I've just made this up, God, don't make me do this, don't make me do this. I'd do it anyway. But we have to practice hearing his voice. Again and again, God will want us to step high in faith. And you know what? We'll make mistakes. But you know when we do? We pick ourselves up and we go again. That's the journey of faith. The journey of faith is not to sit in the safe place. But the journey of faith and the pursuit of the things of God. Because God is a super and a natural God. He's a supernatural God. And often our churches are neither super or natural, are they? They're a bit awkward. But actually, it should be the presence of God. Things should change. Our lives should change as we meet with Jesus. As we hear his voice, we should put it into action. And we should see the atmosphere, not just here, but at home, at work, with those that don't know and love Jesus change. As we begin to pray for them, as we begin to seek God for them. As we begin to ask, God, what is it you would have me say? What is it you would have me do? And we wait. 
And you know what? He speaks. Because he's pleased to speak to his people. He wants his people to give him his, our time. So please don't leave here saying, God never speaks to me. Because first and foremost, he has in the most amazing way. And please don't leave here saying, God never speaks to me in any of those ways that Dan's described. Because I want to put it to you that perhaps we're not listening. Actually, perhaps we're not listening. Because I believe God speaks and most of the time we miss it. Because God not only wants us to hear his voice, but he wants us to proclaim it. He wants his gospel message taken to our town and to the world. So this morning I don't want us to limit a limitless God. So what I want to do now is going to be a little bit different. The musicians will come out in a few minutes, I think. Um, but what I'd like to do is just, you can do this however you want to. You can open up the scriptures, there might be a song that comes to mind, I don't know. God might speak to you in a picture, a vision, a dream. He might not at all, you might be overcome with peace. Nothing might happen and that's okay. But what I want us to do in the quietness of our heart, I'm going to pray in a moment, but I want us to wait upon God. We've talked about it a lot. I've talked a lot, haven't I? It's time to listen. Much rather you heard from God direct than through me. And it might be he gives you a scripture. It might be somebody pops into your head and you just want to go and pray for them. It might be that you think you have a prophetic word, then you come and speak to me and we'll weigh it and we'll see what we do. It might be that you speak in tongues. More we'll prayer we get interpretation. It might be you're overcome with peace. It might be you feel nothing. But you feel directed to a scripture. Or you're reminded of a time. You might just want to read your Bible. But what we want to do is just create a moment now. In the busyness of our week. Even in the busyness of our services. Because when we gather it can feel a bit busy sometimes, can't it? I've got to get this person out and do this and do that. To just wait upon God. So I'm just going to pray and it'll be quiet. And you know what? I'm going to say this and I'm happy to go on record to say this. Silence is golden. Quietness is okay. Don't be afraid of the quiet. You know, I've been in places where they always have to have music on. I think we miss maybe what God wants to say to us sometimes. Because we don't still ourselves before him. So it's going to be quiet. It might feel awkward. That's okay. <laughs> So let me pray. And pray with me. Pray this prayer with me. And ask in your heart, God, would you speak to me now? Father, we thank you that you speak to us today. That you're speaking all the time, that you have spoken through your word. We thank you for it. We thank you that it is alive and active. That it changes our life as we read it, as we understand who you are. The only book ever that details you, us, and makes sense of life. And so what we want to do now in this moment is invite you to come. God, it's a bit scary maybe for some of us. So we just pray that you put us at peace. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak to us now that we would hear that still small voice, maybe for the very first time. And God, give us the faith to respond to you as well. We just want to give you time. We don't want to be rude. So we ask for you to come, that you would be gracious to us as we wait upon you now. 
We ask for you to come in Jesus' name. Amen.